Hello and welcome to the First Lutheran Church Sermon Podcast. We're glad you joined us this week. First Lutheran Church lives by the mission statement, called by the Spirit, we serve Christ, sharing God's love with all. And we are glad to share this good news with you this week. We're able for our gospel acclamation. Invite the congregation to stand as you are able, and together we read the gospel acclamation. Alleluia, Lord and Savior, open now your saving word. Let it burn like fire within us. Speak until our hearts are stirred. Alleluia, Lord we sing for the good news that you bring. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the fifth chapter. Jesus' teaching of God's word has begun to draw great crowds. For Simon, James, and John, Jesus' teaching inspires hospitality, then obedience, and then risk. After Jesus' creative power is revealed, fear and amazement leads these three fishermen to leave everything behind to become apostles. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he, put, then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so, were also, uh, so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. This is the gospel of our Lord. Invite the congregation to be seated. Invite the children up for a short message. Hey, kiddos. Come have a seat up here on the steps. All righty. All right, go ahead and have a seat. All right, you guys. Uh, <clears throat> I know your story pretty well, being your mom, but uh, I don't think you all have ever been fishing, have you? No, we've never taken you fishing. Well, uh, I'll tell you what. Mama loves fishing, and I went fishing all the time when I was younger. I went fishing in oceans and lakes and rivers and all sorts of places. And there's a lot of different tools we use to fish. So what do I, a fishing rod? Yeah. 
What are some other things we need to fish? A fishing net, yeah. So when you get the fish on your, on your hook, you can scoop it up in this. Yep, uh, what are some other things that you can think of that might be with a fishing rod? Oh yeah, you might need a hook, yep. Uh, a string attached, attached to your fishing rod that has a hook. Yep, there's all different types of things that we... <laughs> you think you need a fish? Well, hey, sometimes people fish for fish with fish. Yeah, you guys know, um, you've heard some of my fishing stories, but like I said, I fished all the time when I was younger, and you know how many fish I caught? Two, two fish in my whole life. Okay, maybe a few more when I got older, but whenever I was fishing all the time when I was a kid, I only caught two fish. I loved it so much, but I was horrible at it. I watched my sister catch a stingray and I got nothing. You know what, uh, I'll say though, one of the two fish I caught, I had been out in a, on, a, on a river in Florida and I had caught nothing. And so whenever we were boating back to the shore, I stuck my fishing pole. You remember this story? I stuck my fishing pole in my last attempt, my desperate attempt to catch anything, I stuck my fishing pole and my fishing line into the water as we boated back to shore, and I caught something, a dead minnow, which is a tiny little fish that just got, I did nothing and it was a pitiful thing there. No, I didn't eat it. No, I didn't eat it. But you know what? There are, there are a lot of different types of fish, a lot of different ways to fish. Some people are good at fishing. Some people aren't. Have a seat, or sit up, Sam. But uh, in the gospel story, the story that I just read about uh, with Jesus, he is talking to some fishermen. And guess what? They're not very good fishermen. They fished all night and they caught nothing. Yes, we can go fishing someday. So, Jesus was talking to these, these guys, these fishermen. They were not very successful. They didn't catch anything. But he said, I need you to trust me and do what I tell you to do. I will be with you. I will guide you. And I will help you succeed. And they did. They did as Jesus asked. And they listened to Jesus. And whenever they did as he asked, they caught so many fish, their nets were overflowing and almost breaking. So I've been telling stories from this stole recently. And looky here. At the very bottom is the story of Jesus and the disciples and this big load of fish. And look at all the different colors of fish. All the different types and sizes. Yep. But Jesus says, I'll help you catch people, not fish, but people. Jesus was saying to the disciples, hey, you may not be very good at this, but I want to teach you to catch people, to, to teach people about God's love. And those people are going to be all different types of people. 
You're not going to be very good at it sometimes, but I'll be there with you to help you. There's a lot of different ways that you can catch, not with nets or fishing poles, but lots of different ways that you can catch people and invite them into with your hands, yeah. <laughs> well, whenever Jesus says he, we can catch people, he wants that, he wants to teach them how to love God. And so we're going to talk about ways that we can catch people um, to be a part of the church, to be a part of God's love, okay? So for right now, we're going to say a prayer, and then I'm going to send uh, each of you with a, a fishing net. And I want you to think about how God catches each of us and loves each of us and holds each of us in his arms, okay? So, for now, though, I want you to say a prayer with me. So, fold your hands like this and close your eyes and repeat after me. Good morning, God. Thank you for loving us. Help us to love all people. Amen. All right, I'm going to give you guys In the year 1517, the Catholic Church at the time was in the midst of a building project, and there was a lot of upheaval for the church then. In the year 1517 also was the invention of the printing press, and that was a revolutionary tool at the time to share news and information to the masses. And also, in the year 1517, was that German monk, Martin Luther, who was pretty fed up with the practices of the Catholic Church. And so in that year, Martin Luther used the printing press and shared his his theology, his thoughts, his concerns with the public. And so in the year 1517 was the start of the Protestant Reformation. A lot of things led up to that moment, influenced Luther, but in that time was a singular moment, not an isolated moment, but a singular moment that then forever shaped the church. Well, in the year 1945, it was a year marked with surrenders and victories uh, with World War II. In May, the 
The Germans, the Nazis, surrendered, and later that year, the Japanese did. It was a singular moment, a historic moment for our world, but not an isolated event. A great cost came, and that cost still ripples through our world. But in that year was a significant moment. Well, in the year 19, wait, 1868, in the year 1868, a group of Lutherans came to Topeka and uh, broke ground on the first Lutheran church of this, of this area. Topeka was just a baby city. It was just less than 10 years old. It had just been chartered. But in that new place, a group of faithful Lutherans came to this area and started a church. So much had led up to that moment. It wasn't an isolated event, but it was a singular moment in the history of this, of this town, of the church, of our church. That continues to bring more beautiful, holy moments to shape lives, to change lives. So in the year uh, 1868, First Lutheran was founded. Another significant moment in history uh, was uh, in the year 2003, I met my husband. Happy birthday, Austin. Uh, uh, yeah, in the year 2003, I met my husband. I was just a wee little thing. Uh, learning about who I was, understanding my identity, although I guess we're always doing that, and uh, growing up. And I met this man, and, well, he wasn't a man yet. <laughs> but it shaped my life. It changed who I was. And then four years later, we get married. It wasn't, a, it wasn't an isolated an isolated event. It was a singular moment, though, in my history, in my timeline, that shaped me, that changed me. We all have those moments when we look at our, at our timeline, our life story, of those significant moments that, that shape us and show us who we are and, and where we've been. And in the, in the Old Testament story today, it begins with such a moment. In the year that King Uzziah died, those words that Jill read today uh, mark a significant moment, not an isolated event, but a significant moment in the history of God's people. King Uzziah had been uh, anointed king at the ripe age of 16, and he served for 52 years uh, over the people of God. And it was a wonderful time of prosperity. Uh, he expanded the borders of, of the land of their, of their region, uh, built infrastructure. But there at the end of his reign, the people were lost. And then whenever he died, in the year that King Uzziah died, there was great upheaval. In this absence of this decades-long ruler, there was great uncertainty for the people of God. 
So we read from chapter six, but in the first five chapters of Isaiah, we hear over and over again, God's warning to the people, woe to you, woe to you, you who have rebelled, who have left God, who have abandoned God. In fact, the verse just before our reading goes like this. And if one looks at the land, he will see darkness and distress. Even the light will be darkened by the clouds. In this moment, the people of God, there was a spectacular vision that Isaiah had. So in that moment, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah has this wonderful vision. And he's in the temple, and seated at the throne, that place of honor and authority, is God, our great God and King. And God's robe, the hem of his robe, fills the whole temple. And in that place, winged creatures, seraphs, which is Hebrew for snake, these winged divine snake-like creatures were flying all over this temple and were shouting praises to God so loud, the foundations were shaking. It was a spectacular moment. And in that moment, Isaiah says, woe is me. I am not worthy. I am impure. And then those seraphs take a coal and touch his lips and purify him. And then after that takes place, after his penitence, after his forgiveness and purification, God says, whom shall I send? Whom shall I send in such a time as this when there is great loss and uncertainty and brokenness? And then Isaiah says, here am I, send me. Now, side note about temple purification. Uh, at that time, even today, there are significant rules for uh, being pure and holy at the temple. <clears throat> even today, when you visit the Wailing Wall, that last remaining wall from that temple at the time, you can't back away from it. You have to keep facing it. So when you go up, you have to back up. You cannot uh, to, uh, respect that holiness, that special, that special uh, wall. <clears throat> and so there were a number of special purification rites that you had to do to enter into that temple, into, enter into that holy space. They had ritual baths. You had sacrifices you had to make. But Isaiah enters into that place knowing that he is unholy, that he is impure. And instead of uh, changing that temple, God changes him. Comes into that place and says, my holiness is so much greater than that impurity. And so he says to Isaiah, this penitent sinner who says, woe is me, I am unworthy, uh, I need you. I need you to go out and, and care for these people who are lost. And Isaiah says, 
here am I, send me. One of the uh, well-known hymns we have <clears throat> is the hymn, Here I Am, Lord. And I'm so glad you're here today, Pastor Luber, because that, I think, is one of your favorites. And uh, so those of you who don't know, Pastor Luber was the senior pastor here for almost two decades, right? Almost two decades. And he would sing that song to the congregation, a wonderful expression of his call and devotion. Here I am. And it's a, <clears throat> it's a good practice for all of us to consider our call. And we all have a call. We all have a call story. And so I'm going to take two minutes and very briefly share my call story. And it begins with my baptism at Messiah Lutheran Church in Springfield, Missouri. I was brought as a little tiny babe, uh, I think about five months old, and I obviously don't remember it, but I know that Mary Now was the assisting minister. She's since died. But Mary Now was the assisting minister who held my candle and said, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And there began my call story. I was very blessed to have a Christian home, very devoted, faithful parents. If you're worshiping, hi. My parents often tune in. And uh, they would take us to church every Sunday. And we lived 45 minutes from church. Rain or shine or snow. I remember having to put chains on our car to get out of the hollow, out in the boonies, to get to church. Because it was such an important thing to do it, even when it was hard. Uh, I was uh, blessed also then to have that loving church home. My grandparents were far away, but I had the love and support of my church family that cared for me. Uh, when I was in middle school, I saw Sister Acton wanted to become a nun. That didn't happen, obviously, but I did my best. <laughs> um, uh, when I was in high school, I wanted to be a science teacher. I didn't work, apparently. Didn't uh, come to fruition. But uh, also when I was in high school, I burned my hand. There were a number of complications with that. But it was a significant moment in my life when I was forced to rely on other people fully and uh, realize that I also must fully rely on God. It was a challenging time for me. I went to college and expected then I'd be a music teacher. That didn't work out either, apparently. I would have loved to have been a science teacher. I would have loved to have been a music teacher. I think I would have been both uh, good at both. But here I am. Send me. So I head to seminary, and I'm blessed to uh, learn and grow there. And my call story didn't end there. It didn't end yesterday. It happens every day. God continues to call me every day. Rain or, rain or shine, snow or whatever, good times and bad. God is calling out to me. 
And I have to be bold. I'm called to be bold in easy times and difficult to say, here am I, send me. God has called me in, in, those, in those heartbreaking moments, in those self-destructive moments, in those wonderful moments. Called me through the difficult, called me to the holy, and I have said, here I am. Throughout Scripture, we hear a number of call stories. And every single one of the call stories in Scripture is marked by times of, of loss or war or brokenness or sin. Every single one of them is marked by that. But also, they are all, all marked by God's unyielding love and God's awesome power. Every call story. We don't know much about Isaiah's life before the vision, just that he was a trusted person, a penitent Jewish person that was brave enough to say, I'm not worthy, but here I am. In the gospel story, we hear the, the uh, call stories of the disciples who were fishermen. That meant they didn't do well enough in synagogue as young boys to keep learning. They had to go and learn a trade. And they weren't even very good at it. <laughs> and God comes to them in the midst of, a, a, of a, a climatic part of the story of God, of the story of Jesus, the very beginning. And he calls to them. And they say, I'm not worthy. But in a bold moment of trust, they say, I will follow you. Each of us have a call story. Uh, God has called each and every one of us, uh, not because of our degrees or our, our histories or our skills or our faults. He's called each and every one of us because he's created us. He's redeemed us. And he knows us by name. He loves us with an unconditional love that is unyielding and eternal and reaches us when we are in the valleys of the shadow of death or more the wonderful moments of life. When we look back at our timeline, the timeline of our own life, and I would encourage you to, to think about it, maybe even go and write it, write it down as a devotion. Do a timeline of your, of your life noting those significant moments that aren't isolated, but those significant moments in your life that have helped shape you, that have changed who you are, and consider in that whole timeline not where God is, because God is throughout it, but what God is doing in each of those moments. How God is calling you through how God is changing you, how God is loving you. Consider not if, but how God has called you. And may we all be bold to say over and over again, here am I, send me. Let us pray.
Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks that you have called us by name, that you love us with an unyielding love, with an unconditional love that, that shapes us and changes us. Give us a bold trust to answer when you call. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We pray that these words and message inspired you in your faith journey as you grow with God. We would love to see you at worship, either online via Facebook Live or in person at 1234 Southwest Fairlawn Road at 5 p.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sundays. God loves you, and so do we.